The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. Welcome to Voices of Unity. This is Reverend Jackie Fernandez. I am your host today, and we are live from the Tower at Unity Village. Today is a very special day here. Not only are we kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month here at Voices of Unity, but today is my mother's birthday. So I got to give a big shout out to my mom, also known as Granny Loca. Happy birthday, Mama. And my two fabulous guests today, which somebody maybe somebody um, somebody's making some noise, so maybe mute when you're not speaking, but but please speak often because I have with me two amazing women, Reverend Christina Garza, Associate Minister at Unity on the North Shore, there with Reverend Kurt Condra. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. And then um, Christina has a budding collaboration, having set similar goals and desires for the Latinx community in Chicago. So she's brought along with her her buddy, Gabby Rivero. Welcome, Gabby. Thank you. Yes. And Gabby serves as a prayer chaplain, I think, for like 13 years. Is that right? Five. Oh, five years. Oh, I think since 2013 is what I read. There we go. Okay. So for five solid years, which is an awesome length of time to have been uh, serving as a prayer chaplain at Unity Chicago with Reverend James Parker. So let's get, let's get some geography going here. Um, What's the distance between your two churches? Uh, About 20, 30 minutes. Oh yeah. So you're totally in the same neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a city distance, so (laughs) there's a lot of people probably (laughs) between there. But um, so, Christina, tell me some uh, tell me a little bit about what's what's hot in your community right now. What's what's the nature of your work and your the passion of your ministry there at Unity on the North Shore? Yeah, well, we you know, we haven't necessarily done um, as much in terms of a full fledged Spanish speaking ministry or even bilingual ministry. First, because we don't at this moment, you know, have the numbers in our current congregation and really even in Evanston, Illinois, which is where Unity North Shore is, the Latinx community is still really in its infancy stage in terms of political development. You know, historically, Evanston has been a very black and white community. There's a a big um, African-American enclave that has been there for many generations, but 
the Latinx community has been really hidden. And as a matter of fact, there is now for the first time just in the last couple of years, an actual uh, a formal uh, Latinos in Evanston group, which there really never was before. So, you know, I'm working with them, uh, starting to work with them uh, and collaborate and hopefully, you know, do some projects in the upcoming uh, times to be able to actually, you know, do, unroll, you know, unra unroll this together. Um, but right now, the work that we do at Unity North Shore is really what I call more inreach, and that's really about setting the terrain because we just assume we're going to bring Latinos in, and you know, hunky dory, you know, kumbaya, <laughs> we are the world, si se puede, right? Right. And that's really not how it works, and we have to start educating our communities um, about what that means. And I think it's like dispelling a lot of myths, getting rid of some really toxic stereotypes about what Latinos are or not, um, to really be able to fully embrace and be open to um, Latinx folks when they actually do come through the doors. So right now, the things that I've been doing over the last year at Unity North Shore has been, you know, some things like just language using language and using Spanish and services, you know, and going code switching and going back and forth between English and Spanish and my own time on the platform, even just greeting people in Spanish. You know, when somebody walks into um, the sanctuary and you just say, buenos dias, como están todos? That changes the dynamic. It lets people know you're at home, like yeah. I'm ready for you. Yes. And so things like that, I think are really important. Um, and in addition, we've done events. Um, we've done events like Dia de los Muertos. We'll be having our second annual Dia de los Muertos celebration and also um, altar. And so that, again, is about letting people know, you know, one aspect. This is obviously more of a Mexican tradition, though it is all over uh, other parts of Latin America and the world. Yeah. But, you know, again, exposing people to, to culture, to language, having songs in Spanish. You ain't got to know what you're saying, <laughs> what we're saying. Spirit knows. Like, so it's getting people comfortable to experiencing the world in this technicolor, right? Right. Um, so I think for, you know, I'll, I'll sort of leave it out there for now. But those are kind of the few things that I can speak to in addition to some of the outreach um, that I've been doing with Unity Chicago. And I think that's the other thing. It's like, if you really want to bring Latinx communities in, we can't really work in silos. I don't think it works, period, for Unity Churches or any church. Right, right. But I think especially we're coming to the understanding that we do cross-collaborative work. So I was just last uh, month at a um, health fair that was in uh, by in the community that's by Unity Chicago, and there's a lot of Latino immigrants that are there, and we went to a health fair that was at a Latino immigrant organization that has been in the community for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, and so we were invited there, we had a booth, we gave out daily words in Spanish, the other folletos, the, the brochures, the things that, you know, Unity produces, which is amazing, shout out to Unity Publications yeah. for all the awesome stuff that they put out, um, and to be able to do that. So we're working collaboratively because it's really about getting getting truth out, you know, yeah. and getting people to, to know the resources that are available uh, through the unity movement. So those are some of few things I'll kind of mention for now. And I mean, sure, Gavi has has her own kind of take on all of this as well. Yeah. So you don't really have too much going on then. 
Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> no, I love it. You covered so many important points and we're going to come back in and get deeper into some of those. But I love how you, you know, you started with the inreach, but then you also brought it back to the outreach. And so, you know, getting out into the community and bringing those resources out to the community. But what you're saying is that you're first working with your existing community. And preparing them to be better, you know, ambassadors in that way when they go to outreach, right? So if they're already, you know, familiar, you know, with Buenos Dias and you're, you know, code switching and hearing, you know, um, music and Spanish and all of that, then it's, then you have uh, more highly equipped people going out into the community. And, and so hearts are open, minds are open, and you're breaking down those barriers and, um, and really just fears and insecurities, right? Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and a also, great system. It's also about too just educating, I think also from a historical perspective yeah. because there really isn't, I mean, we're again as a culture, an American culture, we're so used to a binary, right? The black and white. Mm-hmm. And so I think now obviously you can't be in uh, this country without without knowing, you know, that the uh, Latinos are kind of, especially Mexicanos are coming to the forefront and Central Americans, you know, with mm-hmm. the whole immigration um, debates and, and situations. But, you know, for historically, we don't really even know what the history looks like. And so part of my role, too, is is making my um, spirituality a historical spirituality as well so that we understand what that means, not just from a truth perspective, what unity does and what unity has been and what Jesus ministry was about, but also to integrating uh, the power of a spirituality and culture um, and uh, what life has been like for Latinx people in this country, um, you know, and how that impacts how you engage spiritually. Yes, I love it. Such good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, You are just a real gift uh, there to the Chicago community. I can feel it. And so as we're talking about sort of the history, too, you know, I've had some questions this week. Why is Hispanic Heritage Month like why you, why you get two months, you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, it's really it's really one month, but it starts September 15th through October 15th. And, you know, and it started, which I actually, I had to do a little digging. I didn't realize it started as Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon Johnson. And then Ronald Reagan actually is the one who started the 30-day period of time. But, of course, we, we know, or many people know, that the reason it starts on September 15th is because um, there are many um, anniversaries of independence for Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and then, of course, the Mexican um, Independence Day, September 16th. So it's, you know... It's a great time, and I love, too, that it includes, you know, what some call Columbus Day. Uh, we call Dia de la Raza. Um, so it's all encompassed in that time, and it's a really important time. Um, I think, too, it gives us, you know, we get past Labor Day, and then we can, you know, we can start a celebration. So, Gabby, Gabby, I want to hear what's happening um, at Unity Chicago. Yes, um, Unity Chicago is a more a more diverse uh, congregation because it's in the city, of course. And Chicago is a very uh, I apologize, my my I just heard a message coming through. Uh, Chicago is a more diverse community, and uh, we uh, started very actively about three years ago, and we were little by little creating a very di- uh, sort of um, diverse and, and and active community. 
uh, with uh, under Reverend Heidi, who was very committed. Oh, and yeah. she was, I'm very grateful to her. She was one of the first uh, ministers uh, coming to Unity in Chicago who thought about creating a more diverse community and opening the doors to have a, what is called uh, uh, Unity in Espanol. And uh, it was, uh, we, you know, it, it was growing and thriving. And uh, something that Christina was saying about doing enriching, you know, and doing it in the enrich, we had to do that there too. When, when I started going to Unity in 2000, I think it was 2012, there, the, it was a very black and white congregation as well. Mm -hmm. Very few Latinos. It's been wonderful to see how little by little our congregation is becoming more diverse. And going to Reverend Heidi, she wanted to have a more diverse community. So um, that's how she asked me to, uh, as I was a prayer chaplain at that time. I was one of the coordinators for the prayer chaplain uh, team. She asked me to start Unity in Espanol. We were, as I mentioned, thriving, growing. And that, you know, and that is something that uh, people uh, who have been born here or um, sometimes, you know, it's about education. Sometimes they don't see how political the political arena can affect the growth of our congregations. And that was something that I personally faced uh, when Trump became president. Um, we had a very good group of about 15 to 20 people who were coming weekly every Sunday. And that when there were a lot of rates here in Chicago at the beginning of the year, a lot of people who came from the south side, most of our community traveled from the south side of Chicago, almost 30 minutes away um, to attend the, the, the services. And when they started doing big raids here in Chicago, a lot of people became very afraid. And, and we lost about half of our um, group right there. We have more of the North Siders, as you know, a unity in Chicago is in the North side of Chicago. And that was, uh, you know, that's one of the things also to educate people how the political arena, how, um, you know, this, uh, all of these raids also affect and how we can create from that. And that after that, uh, there were a lot of changes in our church. I became, uh, I was asked to become more involved in the, um, uh, in the English side. So that sort of, unfortunately, you know, sort of went to sleep for a while. Now with uh, Reverend Christine Randall and Reverend James, we are emerging again and, and starting uh, opening again the services. Now we are uh, committed to having two services a month which I'm very excited about. So um, Chicago is, um, I would say, is more diverse, and we see our groups of Spanish speakers growing. In fact, some of the uh, bilingual people also want to start collaborating with us. And I'm so, so grateful to Christina for um, opening her heart to, to, you know, inviting me to be part of this, because I know with that, the us together, we can create a really diverse community. And uh, so one of the um, goals, the, the, or I would say the mission and the vision that we have for our group is, that, um, is to create a more diverse community to learn about God. A community with not only uh, Latinx people are welcome, but also people who want to know about our culture, people who want to know about who, you know, what we are about, people who want to, are open to diversity. Yes. So yes. that's a very exciting thing uh, for me. I feel very, very blessed and very uh, humbled and very grateful that um, they asked me, uh, Reverend Christine and um, Reverend um, James asked me to, to, 
you know, spearhead this. And, and I know that uh, nothing is achieved alone. We uh, working together uh, is the only way that we can create and build uh, communities of faith where people feel welcome. And that's another thing to what we are focusing on is making everybody who comes feel welcome, yeah. no matter where you come from. You know, I'm a foreigner, as you can hear, I have an accent. I came here 27 years ago. And, uh, you know, and that's been always my dream to feel, to find a place where I felt welcome, where I, I felt that God is a God of love, that is not a God, it's a God of unity, not a God of division. So that's, uh, I hope that that answered your question. So I'm super excited yes. about this new beginning. We are starting now the second and the fourth Sunday of every month. And we started small, but it's interesting to see how more people are asking or interested. And uh, I am very uh, excited and very um, optimistic about what the future brings for us here. And are open to to you know to ideas, open to uh, partnerships, uh, open to diversity, so that we can bring everyone. Uh, to God, because that's really at the end is to bring people to God. Yes. That's, that's, what yes. I, that's my take on this. <laughs> and I feel I feel yeah, that I openness feel that. from you. That's that's so beautiful. I think that that must be contagious in your community so that the people, you know, your existing congregation is opening um you know, to to that sense of diversity, of true diversity, of and what that means, the fullness of diversity. It's not just a black and white thing. There are so many different kinds of um, experiences of diversity. And I do want to get more into, because I think, um, you know, faith leaders may not, you know, unless you're like in it, like on the, you know, on the border, um, but, or in the big cities like Chicago, New York, where the raids are happening on a fairly regular basis, are not thinking of the impact of, uh, on communities of what that means with people not wanting to leave their homes you know, unless they absolutely have to. So talk about that. Um, yes. So um, even, you know, um, I, I, another part of, um, I'm, an, um, I'm an interpreter, also Spanish English interpreter. And one of my, my, my daily job is to, um, I do a lot of asylum interviews. Um, so I, I go with a lot, I see people every day who come to this country seeking asylum, seeking a place where they could feel safe from, uh, you know, uh, persecution in their own countries. Um, and, uh, you know, when I, in Chicago about a month ago, there were a lot of raids. And I, when I speak with people, uh, they always ask me, Gabby, you know, tell me about these raids and do I feel safe? So yeah. one of the things that I, that I go through my mind is how can we, bring faith and change this conversation of fear to God. Yeah. And I'm still work. I'm still on that. You know, how do we bring that faith to focus more on the desire that we have to be aligned with God versus the fear? And I have, I don't have an answer uh, to that yet. Uh, that's, it's going through my heart, my mind every day. And but I do I, I do experience speaking with people both as you know as as a prayer chaplain and also as a person who whose job is to 
you know, prepare pe people for asylum interviews. And, and, you know, many of them, unfortunately, have to work when they come here, sometimes not in the most direct way. Mm -hmm. uh, they have to work, you know, without having a permit to work. And the fear is if immigration is going to go to their workplace and, and take them away from their families and send them back to the country where they already were persecuted. And how to, so the question that I have every day is how can I, bring optimism, faith, um, in a world that is so filled with fear because of laws that divide families. Mm -hmm. And I don't have an answer. No, that's a great question. That's a big question. And the fact that you're answering it or asking it is everything. You know, the answer will come um, by asking the question. Part of it, too, is just, again, the education piece and educating our own communities and also our fellow um, ministers and, and leaders about what this means and what they can do. I think oftentimes, you know, we're not uh, immune to the helplessness and the hopelessness. And so it's reminding people, like, we have the power. We have the power within us, and we can do something. And even a small change, you know, can create and be part of a bigger change. And so this summer, um, you know, I do uh, work in, in a number of different area churches and so in centers. And so I did the same talk purposely um, around immigration. And it was really about letting people know, like, you can do something, too. And it's not about politics because we all get the I you know got pushback sometimes saying this is very political we right, don't right you know we don't do politics in unity and you know what that's just such again just another lie we've been told because yeah. everything is political right. you yes. know and Jesus was political, Jesus was political. <laughs> Where you been, we, we like, take everything you know? from Jesus but his politics no 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 exactly. no it's all, and especially now literally everything you know I work in the communications department here and and we're really faced with that right now that Everything you say is political right now. It's just sensitivities are so high. Um, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate that. And I just remind people I'm not taking sides. I mean, right. when I've spoken, it's not about I'm not telling you that immigrants should come. I'm not telling you that these it was specifically around the detainee situation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying detainees should be allowed to come. I'm not saying that detainees should allow, be allowed to stay. All I'm saying is they're here. Yeah. Hello. And as people of and Christ, people. we have they're a responsibility people. to respond, yeah. whatever that means, yeah. whether it's helping organizations at the border, donating, going to the border, whether it's just educating yourself, whether it's reading scripture around what uh, the Bible says about immigrants and hello immigrants and foreigners are a protected class, you yeah. know, spiritually. Yeah. spiritually so, speaking, you know, yes. just reminding people, um, even I was appreciate things like um, at Unity Chicago, there was a gentleman who got some cards from his alderman's office. And they were these cards that basically were little little flyers almost. And they were to give out to people if they were to see somebody in trouble. And I thought that was a brilliant thing. And so, you know, he encouraged people to take a bunch and I took a bunch. And so, you know, somebody who does my lawn, you know, I... I know, you know, they're undocumented. Mm -hmm. So it's like giving them information to be able to pass on. Or if I'm somewhere and a raid is happening, how can I step forward not to engage in a way that's going to get, you know, um, get arrested or what have you, but it's 
again, information, arming people with information so that they can support and be spiritual presence in, 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 in the moment, you right. know? Right. Yes. And if people who aren't maybe necessarily faced with those issues on a daily basis, you know, educating them so that when, when they are going to uh, the polls, you know, and conversations outside of their faith community, that they're informed and, and bringing their full heart to, to those conversations and to their votes. Right. Yeah. And I think too, it's not making it an us or them. I, um, spoke at, in an area church that is in a highly conservative environment. I mean, it's bleeds, bleeds red, you know? And so and it's known for that, very conservative. And I was shocked. And that was a learning for me is that we have to also just deliver uh, education and messages in a way where we know that people are open. You know, mm -hmm. we're not claiming conservatism as a, a person or a racist as a person it's a thing you know mm -hmm. and we know that there is that wholeness that divinity in people and so I, I don't want to claim that for anyone you know I hear spiritual leaders saying oh he's racist that person's racist and um you know from my own truth perspective and the way I delineated in my life I, I do think it's a bit problematic because I don't want to claim that for someone right you know I can claim that their behaviors perhaps are racist but I don't want to claim that for someone as their essence and so having gone to to do this in this conservative community I was I got such amazing support and response and that was a shock for me because we uh, automatically I went in there thinking you know I'm gonna get a lot of pushback and it was a different kind of conversation. And so my learning is that sometimes we just have to let spirit work. We have to just be open and, and come in with that, that understanding that there will be, there, there is that unity, you know, and, and be able to just generate that energy to have a different kind of conversation. And it's learning because a gentleman, for example, I used a New York Times statistic and he came back at me and said, I can't believe you used the New York Times. That's what his big thing was. He's like, oh, wow. You know, and I didn't know. Accord, apparently, you know, for some groups of conservatives, that's a no-no because that's sort of like this liberal bastion, which mm -hmm. I didn't know. So being able to have communication and, and um, conversation with people other than who believe what we believe is really important because then I learn how to better communicate with people. Now I know I'm not, I may take my stat from the New York times or right. something, but I may not say that because already that's going to, that's going to arm somebody. That's going to put right. up a wall. It puts a barrier. Little things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, this is Gabby adding to what Christina is saying. Uh, when you started, you, you spoke about education and that we can talk about the issues, not the person. You know, so right. educating them, and I, I do use a lot of code, uh, code switching at Unity in Chicago, like Buenos Dias. Um, we uh, when we close the, uh, our, we are moving to a different congregation, a different church. You know, we added uh, prayer in Spanish, um, creating that from a, but from a place of love and understanding, not closing our eyes and saying, oh, everything is is great, is perfect, because there has to be a balance. But at the same time, talking about the issues, what we would like to create, what we want to see happening, or at least pondering about it without attacking other people, because that's what that creates, that's what creates a separation. But when we go to come from that place of that when we make the main goal clear, 
unity, the, the, the openness to diversity, that we are a world that is diverse. When we talk about the issues and some ideas on how we can make it improve the situation and make it better for yes. everybody. All right, that's our music. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with more about code switching and unity ministry for Latino. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And we are back. I've got Reverend Christina Garza from Unity on the North Shore, and I have Gabriela Rivero, Gabi, from Unity Chicago, and we are talking about what it means to inreach, to educate our communities, our faith communities, um, about um, expanding diversity, opening to Latinx communities, and um, and so we kind of covered a lot about um, what it what it means out in the communities and so let's go let's talk more about the inreach let's talk about the code switching that's come up a few times in the first half and so first let's define code switching for anyone who might be new to the term well I guess at a, at a base level code switching is literally just going back and forth between languages you know, so I may start a sentence in English and end it in Spanish and vice versa. And especially for those of us um, who were born in this country um, or who've spent a good amount of time in this country have that comfortability where both languages we're sort of just flowing with and certain words and phrases make more sense to us to say them in one language than another. Mm-hmm. Um but also I think at even uh, at a spiritual level, it signals something. It's that, you know, that comfortability with self. It's like that connection to to something that's your history, that's your culture, that's your um, your true essence. And so when you, you're doing that, it's something more that's happening when you're speaking. I mean, that's how I kind of experience it and think of it. How about you, Gabi? Uh, yes, uh, and that uh, uh, it's defined definitely as uh, alternate between two or more languages uh, uh, in a conversation. And uh, yes, sorry, as you are adding, Christina, so there are many, t- it, it, it brings our who we are in that acceptance. I see code switching as a way to send a message. I feel comfortable for who I am, for my heritage, for my culture, where I came from. And that it, and there are expressions that it doesn't matter how good they sound in English. They are always, in my heart, sound better in Spanish and my own language and the language of my ancestors, my parents. So, uh, and it's also a way to educate people about, you know, about Latinx, about the Latin culture. It, I some I feel I came here from Venezuela 27 years ago, and I um I, I've seen the world changing and more openness and more understanding of our culture, and I think that that is a, a great opportunity for letting us be, get opening the door. I see code switching as opening the door for people to be curious about who we are, so the, that gives us the opportunity for us to share you know, our, 
you know, who we are as people, what what matters to us, and also open the door for them to share with us. It opens communication between people. Yes, I love that piece. It opens communication between people. You know, we've talked about that here to at headquarters. As I mentioned, I work in the communications department. So, you know, all of our publications for Unity and our social media, the videos that we put out, and, and we are in this conversation quite often Um you know, right now there's sort of this paradigm of, you know, we, we, we produce something in English and in Spanish. Um, and, you know, we, our video team did a video in um, April and the po- the poetry in this video is like spoken word poetry had both English and Spanish in it. And so when we put the subtitles, we put that every word that was spoken. So rather than thinking of it in terms of English subtitles or Spanish subtitles, we just subtitled what was actually spoken so some is Spanish some is English and I think that you know to me it was a way of folding in what we're talking about that code switching because it it brings a familiarity it brings an invitation and it lets people know let Spanish speakers know you're welcome here and it invites English speakers to just open up a little bit and to not be terrified you know, of Spanish that, you know, probably, you know, some there are a lot of words you probably know just by virtue of being in this country, you know, beyond taco, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I think yeah. we can model that. In and cerveza. Ministry. Yeah, right. And cerveza, you know, yeah, um, we can I, um, model that. Yeah. We can... In Chicago, people are becoming more acquainted with arepas and, uh, you know, uh, Venezuelan food as well, you know, nice. caraoto, yeah. which is black beans. Nice. Yeah. So we can, you know, we model that. You know, we model that code switching and, and it just opens, it opens doors and it, it levels walls and barriers that have been built, been built. Um, you know, and I know something that, you know, comes up for me. I was just at an event this weekend and um, there were poets there and it was a kickoff of Hispanic Heritage Month. And um, one of the poems just spoke to me so deeply because I'm not fluent in Spanish. Um, I have studied Spanish. I, you know, uh, am, you know, <laughs> Not even fluent in Spanglish, but I've got some of that going on. You know, we've got words, you know, I say chones, you know, put on your chones for my, you know, to my kids and, you know, things like that. But um, I, you know, I live away from my families on the West Coast. And so when I moved to the Midwest, you know, primarily surrounded by English speakers. And so, you know, assimilated even more toward that. But um, this poem just uh, opened me up. It ended with it talked about, you know, that that experience of like when I meet someone who's, you know, a Spanish speaker or another Latina that that there's this like awkwardness of do you speak Spanish do you speak Spanish if I you know if I say something in Spanish you're going to think I can say everything or understand everything you know that whole thing but it ended with um, I do speak Spanish I just do it in English and I was like ah that's it you know because that's an experience too for a second third generation fourth generation even of you know there's a familiarity and a comfort when I hear it I want to be there and um, and it's easy, you know, I can listen pretty well and keep up, but, um, you know, I get really awkward, you know, when it takes me, a, if I, you know, if I go to Mexico a couple of days, third day, I'm, I'm feeling better, but, you know, but just off the cuff, you know, it's just, I'm not doing it on a daily basis. So I love, you know, that it doesn't have to be either or that we can fold the, the both in and, and through that code switching experience. And I think we have a real opportunity to model that. 
And that's the reality politically. I mean, that is the reality politically of so many Latinx communities here in the United States. I mean, people speak both languages and they go back and forth. So Mm -hmm. it literally, for some people, you know, you have people who say, no, it has to be just English or just Spanish, but it is legitimately in many ways another form of communication. And so we have to respect that. And on top of that, I think it models a beautiful way of of creating. I mean, that's what Gabi's kind of speaking to as well, and you are as well. It's we're creating this beloved conscious community that's it's a mezcla and that's mis- messy and that's complicado yeah. and all of that other good stuff. Like that's what it is. That's who we are. And you know what? It's all good and it's good. You know? Yes, yes. It's good as long as we, you know, we break down the fear around it and loosen up those um those barriers that people create just, you know, over generations of what's different and, you know, the physical boundaries that have been put down on the land, you know, are reflected in emotional um, and social boundaries. And um, so it's good when we when we can work in a way that that moves those and and lowers those barriers. And and code switching also allows us to um, be a piece of education. Interestingly, a lot of uh, English speakers believe that they don't do code switching and they do when they say corral, which is corral in Spanish. You know, just start with, you know, even when they say tacos uh, or burritos, you Uh know, it's a code switching there because they are switching from English to Spanish. And it's a a way to help people understand that we are all borrowing from each other. We all need one another. We all need the language of each and one of us to create another one. And uh, I think that when we uh, start seeing that we are constantly helping and we we're constantly, uh, you know, help, um, helping one another, using what works from each language to create actually one universal language, I think that that is a beautiful thing when we know yes. that we are helping one another. Yes, yeah. that is. That is beautiful. Well said. So language, a huge part of culture. And and then there's also Catholicism. There's also, you know, faith culture, religious culture. Um, let's talk about that. What does that look like? Um, you know, when we have um, people with, uh, you know, Catholicism, is, <laughs> it's not just church. Mm-mm. Right. In the Latinx community. It's not just church. And so how how do you experience that blending with unity? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily can speak to how I've seen it because um, I haven't, you know, outside of what <laughs> what I do and what we're all now creating. Um, but, you know, the symbolisms, I, I just feel like I, it's ironic. I, I'm a unity minister, but I never say that I'm not Catholic. Right. I never say I, I'm a recovering Catholic or reformed mm-hmm. Catholic. I don't speak that because, I mean, in my soul, that's part of my DNA, you know, because it is cultural. It is historical. You just made my, my mom family. real happy. <laughs> no, right, my mom's you know, listening. Like, yeah. Mija, Mija, why don't you say that? <laughs> no, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, you know, I don't I, you know, I still maintain a lot of the the religious iconography and symbolism from Catholic, um, my Catholic upbringing. Yeah. So, so I want you to say, it. like, in no uncertain terms, what do you mean oh. by that? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's like get let's get into it. Like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I retain the iconography. Right? <laughs> I, you know, I like, yeah, but I want to let's get into the nitty gritty. What what does yeah. that mean? 
that means like nobody's taking my virgen. Yeah, my girl. Like she ain't going nowhere. I remember my grandmother when we were kids inviting the Jehovah Witnesses in, and she, I thought she was a nut nutcase, you know, because everybody <laughs> turns the doors away, right? right. She was always about having that conversation. And everything was going great, and they were breaking bread. El cafecito estaba allí, and the pan dulce was there, and everybody's having a good time until they saw a picture of the Virgen, and they told her that it was she needed to take it down, and then she proceeded to kick them out, you know. And so, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's strong, and and it's it's part of so many things. It, it's not. It's part of so many things for us, and we don't even have time to get into the meaning of that because we could have a whole podcast on that and then some. Yeah, but. You know, I think part of it is is pragmatic in many ways. We have to have certain parts of the Latino community, and I'm speaking as as uh, coming from a Mexican background. And adding to Christina, one of the things that um, I, I I I've always felt uncomfortable with the world the word of recovery, this or that. Uh, we are unity. One of the the visions and the the, the 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 ideas we have is to create exactly unidad, unity. Yes. We mm-hmm. um, during the services, um, we never speak about being a recovered this or that, recovering this or that. Uh, we specifically talk about the, the unity of consciousness and uh, let people. We we need to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. When we start with a language that creates separation from the beginning, we are going in the wrong direction. We need to make sure are and start with a language that makes people feel welcome, that makes people feel happy where they are and for who they are. We need to meet people with an environment that is welcoming, where they grow at their own pace. And if they decide later, or never let go or anything that they feel that they feel that they believe that is that they want to let go. That is their own decision. That is their own. That's where they are. And that I, that's one, uh, one of the commitments that, um, that I have is to create an environment that is welcoming where no religion is bashed. Where yeah, all religions right. are welcome, well, whatever path we take is the right path for us, and we, whatever you know, we grow and develop our own pace, and we all the, the all the paths are to go to God, not to move away from God, and religion should not be a bridge that takes us away from God. It should be the bridge that takes all of us together to God. Yeah, and that you know that's the inclusion that we talk about. You know that um, you know if we want to uh, bring more forward, more God forward, more spirit forward, um, then we we gotta not be just real mindful about what you know what requirements we put around that. Yes, it's just and I love what Gavi said about meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. because that's the truth of it. If we, as we say almost every Sunday, we res- as a unity, we respect the many paths to God, the many ways to God then that also means some of that, those, those symbols. So I did a wedding recently and we had in a unity church an altar to the Virgin yeah. because in a traditional Mexican wedding, that is what you do. Now it wasn't traditional by any scope of the imagination because I was marrying two women, uh-huh. but we still had to have an altar and, um, and other things that went along with that. And so 
I think it's like that. And when we do the Dia de los Muertos altar, there's a Virgen on the altar mm -hmm. in the Unity Church. Um, and it's, it's, again, not an either or, it just is. And that's where who we are and where we're at. And we have to accept and not just accept, but embrace and understand um, that. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I was a Jehovah's Witness for many years when I was a child. And that uh, um, I was laughing, uh, Christina, when you were talking about the Jehovah's Witness, because from the age of, the age of uh, eight until I was 17, I was a Jehovah's Witness and I left um, because of I, that sense of separation um, always made me feel disconnected from other people. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I, one of the things learning from that experience is, is to make everyone feel that they belong, that they are part of something and that our spirituality should be the path to all of us to create diversity, to have unity, and that no matter what belief we have, where we come from, where we come from, that we can all be accepted and understood. And that who am I to say that this is the right religion and this is the right belief? I don't have that kind of knowledge or, or you know, who I am to believe that I have the complete truth. So uh, that's that's one of the things that we are come in the in personally that I'm committed to in the best of my abilities to let to to make to let people know that I don't have the exact truth. Yeah. I'm yeah. simply someone that's that open. <clears throat> I love that Gabby. Share. It is, you know, it's we're all trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. We're all trying to describe the indescribable. We're all trying to explain the inexplicable. I mean, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, whether we're doing it through, you know, the Buddhist path or, you know, Catholic or Baptist or, you know, atheist even, um, you know, we're, we're all trying to, you know, um, figure out, you know, the this holiness and this humanness that that we experience. And it changes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It changes daily even. I mean, that's part of the learning and the transformation and the growth is that sometimes we leave certain aspects of 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 what we believe and then we come back to it. I mean, I know that has been the case even for me. Like I, for a long time, didn't want to say that our father, like it, I was very uncomfortable with it. And then as I grew and changed and you know, it's something that I embrace and that I use daily in my spiritual practice. And then I know that's grown out of favor, you know, in many circles, mm -hmm. but that is something that has become really um, deeply um, important to me. Yeah. And so that's, I love hearing you say that. Well, we, we do change and, and you're right. I mean, so many um, unity churches have like, they drop, they drop the Lord's prayer. They, or they, you know, there was a long standing tradition of having sung it every week and then they drop it and we don't even say it or, and then you, know, you hear others are like, well, we do it once a quarter or we do it once a month, you know? And, um, but to be able to stand here as a unity minister and say, well, you know, I kind of, I might say it every day, you know, I mean, you know, you don't know, you don't know me, you don't know my life, you don't, you don't know my prayer life, you know, um, but to know, I mean, and if you read Eric Butterworth's, you know, his work with the Lord's Prayer, I mean, it's, it's, we change we, our interpretation, our experience of it. And I think Gabby, you were saying, or was 
when you said that um, on the break that um, you add the father mother, father mother, Christina, Christina, you said that, yes, and um, you know, and so it's an opening and it's an expansion of that. It's working with the prayer, and who's to say? Yeah, as I right, as I wrong, you know. You, you is right, girl. It's right. It is right. Isn't I say it every day. This is Gabby. Yes, it is. Yes, I pray. I, pray, I say it every day. It makes sense to me. And I that is called talking about code switching. My my our father has to be in Spanish. Nuestro padre uh-huh. estás en los cielos. I love it. Love it. I, you notice, I mean, I, again, we were talking about code switching, but I code switch all kinds of ways. Like, yeah. I don't just code switch English and Right. Spanish no, there's like a, that, you know? slang, right? You know, there's right. your business talk, you know, you know, how you Absolutely. speak at work. And then, you know, when you're on the phone with the girls, you know, like we are now. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Going right. to Gabby's point. We yeah. do it. We just don't realize it. Everybody does it, right. you know? Right. And, you know, and so many, you know, we find so many ministries that are open to chanting, you know, Hindu chants and, you know, having a Buddhist altar and, you know, all of this. And, and what's the difference? What's the difference between singing in Spanish? You know, it's another language, you know, and um, I, I think we can just sort of expand the ways we think we're open minded, you know, Absolutely. There's like There's, I know there a lot of people like in when I was in the ministerial school we would often have this discussion that um you know you can be anything in unity except Christian. <laughs> and, <laughs> which is an exaggeration, hyperbole. Right. You know, I don't I don't I hope the phone lines don't light up over that. But but there is the this resistance, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, the the recovering Catholic or the recovering Baptist or because we do attract people because of our openness, we do attract people who have been burned by religion. And mm-hmm. um and so they bring they bring that pain with them, and so there's this sort of you know tradition I think by now that um, of of that attitude. But I love how we just sort of like, but we don't have to deny um, that piece. We deny that you know the pain and the power that the pain has had over us. But but that doesn't mean we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Mm-hmm. No, and I think there's the idea that there's also so much empowerment that comes from from that history. And that's, that's been my experience. Like, yeah. of, of course, there's negative aspects to my religious tradition that I grew up in, but there was also very powerful aspects like, yeah. you know, strong, strong women. Um, you know, the Virgen yes. is the cultural, you know, she's the patron saint of Mexico, yeah. you know? So seeing that, like, instead of seeing it as a negative or as a diminishment of women, seeing it also as, as an empowerment of women as well. And so there's, there's all these beautiful ways that we can kind of interpret and understand and claim and be, and that's the beauty of it. I love it. I love it. So, so talk to us about how, like, if we, if, if I were a minister in a church and, you know, and I'm like, okay, so how did you start your inReach? Both of you have talked about, you know, doing inReach, rolling things in, you know, code switching and, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, starting at the door when you're greeting people and maybe from the platform, um, you know, working, you know, Spanish language songs in. How have you, have you had, have you just been following this intuitively? Have you, you know, created like a structured, you know, strategy around this? I mean, me personally, I just go with what I feel called to do. And sometimes I'm nervous about it and sometimes it doesn't fly and that's okay too because the journey is partly a part of failure, right? Mm-hmm, and right. so 
it's really just been intuitively and also what I find important, what I think, you know, resonates with me. I can't stand up on Sunday and be authentically me if I don't bring in all of me. And that's part of it too, is like, and I think when you're authentic, no matter what that means, people resonate with that. You know, they see that, they feel that, they experience that. And so that's really, I've just been trying to be me. Like that's been my whole life, right? So I want to bring in all of me. That's been my mission now as a minister. So I think it's really just doing those things that feel intuitively right talking to other people in your community um, about what they might know, what they've experienced and how that might be translated into it um, and making the connections, those kinds of connections with what will resonate. And also knowing things are not going to always go smoothly. When I had this, we did this wedding at not my home church, but uh, another church that I was part of during ministerial school in the area and they had the reception there as well. And they had a taquisa and they decided to start making the tacos inside the church, you know, oh. and the church is full of uh, smoke and, you know, right. you can smell it and everybody's freaking <laughs> out, you know, and there was a funny moment. I was like, oh, they're going to be like, y'all Mexicans cannot come back, you know, <laughs> but sometimes it is. Again, there's these cultural things that are, that are kind of funny, uncomfortable, humorous, but it's all part of the journey, just kind of learning what people do and how they do it and how we and understand that. So love it. Yes. For, for me, uh, it's organic, too. Uh, it, I am um, once a month. I, I open the service. I'm what in Unity in Chicago, they call the platformer. So it's the person mm-hmm. who opened, assists the minister with the service. So I have that um, privilege once a month. And uh, that is a great opportunity to are educating people so I say hello and that uh, in, in Spanish and in English sometimes just to be funny I say it in Italian even though I don't speak <laughs> Italian and it's just to to create a little a sort of something uh sort of light about other languages um so I take every, every Sunday that I'm um that I'm asked to do to platform I take every opportunity to bring about my culture uh, you know, the good and the fun and that, you know, that uh, Latino culture is so much fun. It's, it's a very, it, it's some, something so lighthearted about us. So bringing that, that us aspect of our culture that when we are professional, we are responsible, but we bring that lightness to yes. what, to our lives, to what we do. Um, I take that opportunity uh, every Sunday. And, you know, there's something, uh, people laugh. Sometimes one time I was saying something in English and I just couldn't pronounce the word. Because, and so I said, oh, oh, this Spanish just kicked in for me. And I said it in Spanish and people thought it was very funny. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's just bringing that, uh, that lightness and that yes. joy. And, and you, because when we accept who we are and we bring that, people accept us. Uh, yes, respecting who we are. I love it. And we're going to have to end on that note. Thank you both so much for Uh, helping me to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month here at Voices of Unity. We'll be back next week with Reverend... Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. 
And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>